Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. What everybody up here that spoke didn't know is my whole message revolves around filling the altars, filling the lamp, setting the standard, and who Holy Spirit is. I didn't speak to any of these people before service. I believe that during this day and during this time, God is trying to put forth something. Amen. God is trying to put forth his spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's, just, let's just stretch our hands to heaven right now. Hallelujah. God, we just ask you to move right now in this service. Move in this word, God. Father, we ask you to have your way, God. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, God, bless this church, bless the people, Father, bless every group, every organization, God, every marriage in here, God, every family, God, bless them, God, every person, God, every person in the name of Jesus, amen and amen, hallelujah. I feel like the Lord is wanting us to move into the word. At this moment, I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is, is wanting us to move into that. So if we could, let's get our Bibles out. Hallelujah. Man, when Holy Spirit comes and he takes over, it's, it's beyond our mind, right? Guys, when people are falling out up here and, and getting touched, they're not like just falling out. And it's not just something that you do at church, right? I heard an old preacher one time, Pastor, he said this. He said, uh, he said, son, he said, ever since I was a little boy, I'd fall out when the Holy Spirit touched me. I said, why was that? He said, because every time he came around me, it was too hard to stand. <laughs> so he'd always fall out every time. And, and I'm a witness to that, hallelujah. Every time just about he comes and hits me, Brother Randall, boom, you can almost guarantee it, right? Not because it's like. Oh, I'm getting prayed for. I'm going to fall out. No, it's like, there he is. Oh, oh, oh boom. <laughs> You're too strong for me. Not going to fight you today, okay? Fighting God is the worst thing that you could do, by the way. Every army that's ever fought him has lost. So when the Holy Spirit wants to touch you, just don't fight him, okay? Just go with it. Amen? There's a revelation in it, right? Hallelujah. So how's everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We have a beautiful church. We have a beautiful worship team. Beautiful pastor. Beautiful pastor wife. Beautiful congregation. Y'all are just, I mean, y'all, y'all are stunning today. Right, y'all should have brought these outfits out in Easter. Right, y'all look good today. Beautiful associate pastor, come on, come on, somebody. Some of y'all like brother Pat. You know you're ugly. Beautiful associate pastor's wife, girl. You know I love you. Woo! 
That's why I married her. Amen. Don't, she going to kill me when we get home. Hallelujah. I praise God for Pastor Tammy Drew back there, what she's doing with the kids. Amen. Guys, we are just blessed, man. We're blessed to have people that is hungry, college and career class, adult classes. I mean, everything that's going on here, guys, it, it's too awesome to miss, right? Everything that just happened on this Sunday service, it, it's not just happening on Sunday mornings. It's happening in everything that's happening here at this church. And it's not because McCullough is just some great and mighty thing. No, it's because God has wanted and been wanting and he's doing it now to spring forth right we're in the season of spring and I was, I was walking around the house yesterday and it was me and my weenie dog by herself and uh you can have your seats you can have your seats we'll stand in just a minute we'll read um and i'm not going to be here long i know it's 11:52, right i'm gonna try to get you to chins before 12:45 or so all right so we're gonna get out of here soon but it was me and my weenie dog yesterday and we just walk around the living room and uh I was looking at Weenie, and I was like, I was like, man, you look thirsty. I'm going to give you something to drink. So I started preaching. That was my water to him, all right? I was preaching to myself at the house on this word that I'm going to preach today. And I hadn't wrote any of it down, but all of a sudden, it just came out of me, and it said, I was preaching to the walls, and I said, and it's the season of spring, and God is wanting to spring forth something in your life. And it hit me, and I was like, Bruce. It is the season of spring. What happens in spring? If you don't know, I planted a garden yesterday. Lord be with us. In a kiddie pool. In the projects. So we got something going on, right? But then plants are springing forth, right? So what I believe all that came together to, to bring together is, guys, God is wanting to spring forth a movement right here. Right in your families in your life, in this church, yes. not just a movement where we just take a little bitty step, right? I believe God's wanting to spring forth a movement where you begin to take giant steps, right? And I ain't talking about Neil Armstrong, Brother Bruce. I'm talking about Jesus Christ steps, right? Going up the hill, going up the mountain. I'm talking about your family, your finances, man. And I'm not up here to give you some feel-good preaching today because I'm actually trying to soften you up because we're about to get into something here in a minute. All right. But I'm talking about God wanting to spring forth a miracle in your life. God wanting to spring forth more in your life, man. Do you know how you receive more? It's not by saving your money in savings. It's not by investing into Tesla and Apple and Google. It's not by sitting there and, and, and coming up with a good budget or, or any of those things. And those things are great, guys. Don't, I'm not knocking that, right? But the way that you receive more is through wisdom. Brother Chris Rodriguez looked at me and he said, Patrick, what is the beginning of wisdom? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Fear of the Lord. Right? Not fear of the Lord as in a scared way because you're scared he's going to hurt you. But fear of the Lord because you don't want to miss being in his presence. Right? God, I fear not being in your presence because in your presence I get everything that I need. So if you want to see more, listen to me church. Listen to me. Some of you are getting distracted right now. God's trying to give you a word.
The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. When you want more, you want more financial blessings. You want more love and time with your children. You want more on your marriage. You want more in your life. Guys, it starts with wisdom. So if you want blessings on your finances, you want blessings on your marriage, first you got to fear God. And before asking God, God, bless my finances, bless my marriage, start asking God, God, give me the wisdom for my finances. God, give me the wisdom to love my wife. God, give me the wisdom to be there for my children. Because if you have wisdom, when certain situations come, you will know how to react to them. So what am I saying all that for? Because church, during this season of springing forth, we're going to have to have wisdom. We're going to have to be smart. We're going to have to be open. And most of all, we're going to have to fear not being in God's presence. I believe that you'll have another opportunity to come to the altar. I believe that you'll have another opportunity to be in God's presence, but I can't promise you that. I can't promise you I would be a liar if I stood up here and a false prophet if I stood up here today and I said, I can promise you that tomorrow I'll be here. I can't promise you that, church. I can't promise you that the Holy Spirit will draw you to God ever again. But all I can do is stand up here today and tell you when he does, don't sit back while he is moving and he's operating and he's wanting to touch. Don't sit back and miss your opportunity any second longer. This second, this day could be the moment that your whole life Today, whenever the people get up and they say, fill the altars, we need to come to the altars. Guys, they're not just saying that so that we have a pretty image on our camera. Come on, come on. Think about Abraham and Isaac. Think about Elijah, right? How did Elijah overcome the prophets of Baal? Huh? He built himself an altar. Poured water upon it. Prophets of Baal was killing babies, cutting themselves, praying to Baal, doing all kind of crazy things. What did Elijah do? Elijah took some stones and he built himself an altar and he got on his knees and he said, God, please answer. Poured water upon it. Fire came down from heaven. Don't tell me that still to this day, if you build an altar, that God will not move. Because I'm here to tell you today, as you all seen, people was building an altar right here in McCullough Christian Center. And the Holy Spirit began to touch their lives. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. You don't see four people baptizing the Holy Spirit every day. I pray to God that we do, though. Guys, if you think that we're just living in a norm, it's time to wake up out of your sleep. Because we're not living in a norm anymore. When Jesus, the Bible said that in the last days, I will pour my spirit out upon the earth. You better wake up, church. Because God's pouring out his spirit. And that means we're in the last. 
in the last days I'll pour my spirit up out upon the church your young daughters and sons will have dreams and visions let me ask your youth over there have any of you had a dream or a vision in the past few weeks past few months we got one hand right there amen so God is pouring out his spirit the sons and the daughters are having dreams and visions so when you say one plus one equals two you say visions and spirit equals last days time is short I'm not no end time preacher brother Randall but it is my job and my duty called by God if I stand before him and do not do what he says, I'm going to have to suffer for that. It is my duty and my job to stand before you today and church and tell you that we are living in the last days and tomorrow is not promised. Listen to me. If you'll grab a hold to that, you don't have to sit there in conviction like right now. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, he's talking to me. Look, if you'll grab a hold to that gospel, you can be sitting there and you say, we're in the last days. I'm about to go home with my king. Do I got any believers that's about to go home with your king? Things can change for you, amen. Can somebody say amen for you? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, man, it, it sure is a blessing to be before you all today. Um, I always love preaching, you know, in front of this amazing crowd. <laughs> you guys um, really took me and my family in. Um, I really love pastor because in the moment that I needed someone, you know, the most. I had just got saved, just filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, I was preaching the gospel, but I needed some guidance. And I had great guidance at one time, but it was time for me and my family to move. And as a young preacher, when God's telling you to move, man, that's kind of scary, right? God's telling us to move out our chair and come to the altar, and that's scary. Imagine being a young preacher, trying to preach the gospel, trying to be obedient, and God all of a sudden in the middle of a field and porch tells you, it's time for you to move. Mm. Guys, that's scary, especially when you get comfortable. Somebody say comfortable. Right where you're at. That's the problem, guys. We get comfortable in sometimes situations. We get comfortable, and we don't want to move. But your blessing isn't sitting there where you're comfortable in. Your blessing is where God is trying to take you to. Guys, your blessing is not in being just good enough. Your blessing is catching fire for God and receiving the Holy Spirit. Your blessing is in a prayer language that he'll give you. Whenever all hope is lost, everything is going south, and you just begin to speak in tongues, and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you got that sword. You got a way to fight. That's where your blessing is, guys. Out of your comfort zone. I want you to look at your neighbor today and say, I am going to move out of my comfort zone. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, turn with me today to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 19. And if you could stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord. Verse 19. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. amen. Verse 19 goes to say this. And it's up here if you don't have your Bible. It's behind us. It says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising sun. When the 
What does it say? When the shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a against him. We're going to read that one more time, all right? We're going to catch it. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising sun. When the shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a against him. Come on, somebody. That, That ought to excite you right there. So, you can have your seats. I like to title this message, um, Set the Standard. Say that with me. Say, Set the Standard. Come and go. All right? So, Set the Standard is the main title. Come and go is the subtitle. All right? I was sitting there earlier this week, and I knew Pastor was having a procedure, and immediately... The Lord told me, get ready. And I have an earthly dad, but, and I don't just say this because I'm, I'm here and I'm preaching under you or anything like that. Guys, when I hooked, actually, one day I was going to another church and I had never met him before a day in his life. Never met Pastor Cornelius. Me and Brother Cito, we were walking into the Chevron. And we seen him in the window, and I was like, yo, yo, that's the pastor at McCullough. He was like, it is, ain't it? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to go up and talk to him, all right? He was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, you know, I'm going to go in there and be like, hey, what's up, pastor? You doing all right? <laughs> you know, my name's Brother Pat, man. Nice to meet you. And uh, guys, I walked up to him, and when I took his hand, pastor, I know you remember this like yesterday. I took his hand, guys, and I kid you not. Every hair on my arm and his shot up. And I looked. I said, Brother Cito? <laughs> Houston? <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> that day, I didn't understand, right? I knew that this man was filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I didn't understand, but that day the connection was made, right? You've been connected to this family. You've been connected to this church, right? Not saying that our church, my church, your church, because we're all one church, one mind, one body, one accord, right? But you look at the temple of God as as a table or an altar where you pray, where you come to get fed and get what you need. Guys, every one of you here today is not here for any other reason than the fact that you've been connected. During this season of springing forth, you've been connected. There's probably 200 people, 150 people in here right now. And I'm here to tell you today, church, that God has a purpose for each and every one of you during this time of springing forth. Because there's going to be people that's never stepped foot in this church before a day in their life. And you could be the one to meet them at that door. Brother Pat, I'm not a greeter. You could be going to the, the fountain, the water fountain. First person they see is you. They're looking at your face. They're looking at your character. They're looking at the way you carry yourself, right? And I do understand that we all go through things, right? 
But we as a church have to remember that our God is not an imaginary God. And when I am going through something, there's somebody out there that needs to see even though I'm going through something, I still have faith. I still have trust. I still believe. Somebody say that with me. Say, I still believe. So God led me to the remnant. I was sitting there and I was like, oh, Lord. Here goes one of them old holiness Pentecostal messages. <laughs> I love when pastor says, I'm going to swing on those lights up there. That's my favorite thing. And I was like, God, where are we going with this? And he led me to the remnant, all right? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what a remnant is. And, I, and it may be a little different style of preaching today from me, but I believe that God's trying to get me out of my comfort zone, right? Amen. I'm used to always just... Da, 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 da. But I believe today that God wants us to get fed. Amen? And I believe he's already moved, and I believe he's going to move again, right? But we have to grasp what he's wanting to feed to us. Yeah. So the remnant. Look at your neighbor and say remnant. remnant. The definition of remnant is a small remaining quantity of something. All right, so I went into the Bible, and I was looking into Romans 9. And uh, around those verses of like 20 seven or 26 around that area um the apostle paul was talking about when the children of israel were being oppressed right or being attacked by the king of assyria and the apostle paul was reminding the churches and the people that during that time the king of assyria and all of the people was coming against the children of israel the bible says that although the children of israel was like the sand of the sea god raised up a remnant so you think about the sand of the sea, Sister Judy, right? That's a lot of sand. The oceans, the sea, that's a lot of sand. But out of all that sand, God raised up a select few. What did he do with this select few? During the midst of turmoil and during the midst of the king of Assyria destroying Israel, Esaias cried out for the people of God to save a remnant. God saved a remnant. Who was this remnant? This remnant was the people that looked around. They seen the nation of Israel destroyed, Brother Randall. They seen and they felt there is no way out. But that remnant was a select few that said, although everything around me is destroyed, although all hope is lost, although the king of Assyria is coming after me and my family, God, I promised you that I would serve you for better or for worse. When you come to Jesus, you don't just come to him, you marry him. Sickness and in health, for better or for worse, in rich and in poor. When you come to Jesus, you don't just make a commitment. You marry the Lord. You commit to him. You tell him, Lord, although they slay me, Job lost everything he had. But it didn't matter to Job because God was all Job needed. Listen to me, church. 
You may be going through something. You may be going through a battle, a trial, or a trouble. The king of Assyria, the king of this world, Satan, may be coming against you every way he can. And if you continue to sit there and don't have your sword, he's going to beat you down. But if you get that sword, listen to me, you can be a part of that remnant that says, I got a sword in my hand and I will swing it until you get back. Because I've married somebody. Uh, come on, somebody. I've married somebody that will never leave me nor forsake me. You don't have to worry about Jesus divorcing you because uh, when he signs your name, uh, he keeps his commitment. Your life changes when you marry Jesus because you have a promise that can never be taken away. Your life changes when you marry Jesus because everything and every struggle that you've had in your life, we're talking about strongholds, can be defeated. We live our whole life here on this earth worried about having a nice house, worried about having a nice car, worried about having a nice truck, Worried about having insurance and all the land in the world. And guys, that is great. Don't think that Brother Pat one day ain't going to get him a bass boat. Because I am. But guys, first, first, before any of those things, you should not live for any other reason than for that day. Whether it be the day that you pass or whether it be the day that the clouds of the east is broken open. Your name is upon that roll. Your name is on the Lamb's book of life. And you walk into the kingdom of heaven. Because I've come to tell you today that the opportunity has been presented itself. The opportunity is still presenting itself. And the only thing between you and Jesus Christ this very day is air and opportunity. To walk into the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says that you must know who Jesus is. He said that if you deny me in front of man, I will deny you in front of my Father in heaven. But I read in the book of Romans, huh, it said that when you confess of your heart, it's unto your salvation. When you confess of your mouth of your sin, it's unto your salvation. All you got to do is confess. You don't, listen to me, quit worrying about if you can do this. Quit worrying about if you're good enough. Quit worrying about if you're ever going to make it. Because listen to me, friend, there was a thief upon the cross. He had just stole everything the night before. And he was on the cross by the Son of God. And it didn't take no pretty prayer. It didn't take no way that he thought he couldn't make it. All it took was looking at the other thief. And he said, son, don't you see? He is innocent and we are guilty. He is the Son of God. That's what you got to say today. Jesus, I am guilty. We all know we are. Not because God hates us or anything like that. Guys, he's such a loving God that he gives you free choice. If I would have created you, <sighs> whew, thank God I didn't create you, amen? You probably wouldn't have looked too good. I'm not too good at building stuff, all right? But guys, 
He gave you free choice. He gave you choice to live in his kingdom. He gave you choice to receive his love because he loves you so much. That's why you have the choice. He created the devil, and check this out. He, he loves all of his creation so much. Even though the devil tried to destroy his kingdom, he sent him to earth first. We don't think about that. The Bible says that the devil fell upon earth like lightning from heaven. Even God had compassion at that moment. After a man just tried to overthrow his kingdom, someone that he created, one of his most beautiful creations, one of his, his, his most precious worshipers, God just sent him to earth. Then he messed that up. Came against Adam and Eve, and then we fell. Guys, the thing behind that is there's mercy and compassion for your sin. There's mercy and compassion for your wrongdoings. But the mercy and compassion isn't going to fall in your lap like a goose dropping a basket from heaven. The mercy and compassion is going to be found right here on your knees. And you'll feel it. He'll fall upon you. Your life will change. Everything will be different. You'll become a member of the remnant. I heard the Lord telling me to tell people this. You are called to be in that number. Say this with me. Say, I am called to be in that number. For you, my family, my kids, and my salvation. Guys, you are called to be in the remnant of God for yourself, your family, your kids, and your salvation. Guys, if nobody else is going to lead your family into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be that one. If nobody else is going to show your children how to live, if the teachers ain't going to do it, if the society ain't going to do it, by God, mama and daddy, you see them every day, you be the one to do it. I don't know if y'all feeling me on this. This is, it's good. Set the standard. Now, you didn't know, who was that that said first fruit? Sherry. Sherry didn't know that first fruit was in my message today, right? If you look at Romans chapter 11, verse 16, it says this. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Listen to me, mama. Listen to me, daddy. If you are holy, the wife will be holy. If the husband is holy, the wife will follow. If the wife is holy, the husband is follow. And you're the lump, and you're the fruit. And if you two are holy, guess who's coming right behind you? I don't know if you're grabbing that. If the first fruits be holy, the lump is also. Let me read that again. The first fruit be holy, the lump is also. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. If you will pick up your cross and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. The word of God tells me that the root, the branches will be holy. What comes off of you, your children? You're a tree. You're a tree planted by the water. Your roots become holy. Your lump becomes holy. The stump that's holding you together. 
And as you spring forth, somebody say that, spring forth, the branches, your children. When we do an ancestry thing, what are we looking up? The family? See, we got to catch God. God has a funny way of relating things. The family tree, branches and branches and branches and branches. What did Jesus say? I'm the vine. Come on now. Come on now. I am the vine. If the vine's holy, that which wraps around the whole tree, you might as well call that tree holy itself. Hallelujah. Listen to me, mom and dad. If you be holy, if you put God first in your marriage, if you put Jesus first in your life, if you put Jesus first in your household, then your children have no other say than to be holy. From the moment that they're breathing, they're taking in Scripture. From the moment that they're breathing, they're taking in the Holy Spirit. From the moment that they're breathing, they're hearing about the King of Kings that died for their sins. And I don't know about you, but I heard Jesus say this. Suffer not the little children, for theirs is the kingdom of It is your duty to set the Set the standard in your house. I heard a motivational speaker. His name's Eric Thomas. He said that he set the standard in his house. His kids and his wife, they were all wondering why Eric was telling them that they needed to pray every day. And his kids walked up to him and said, Daddy, we don't see you pray that much. Why do we need to pray? Eric Thomas said that from that moment, he said, devil, that will not be the case anymore. He began to wake up every day for 22 years. And I'm not saying you got to do this, what he did, but he woke up every day for 22 years at 3 o'clock in the morning and talked to God. Guys, if you want to see your children not fall into, because look, I am so sick of everybody saying that this generation is just going to be this generation. No, this generation is only going to be wicked if we allow them to be wicked. Jesus said that the powers of heaven and the earth has been given unto me. You have authority over the generation that's coming under you. You have the authority to tell the devil you can't have them. Why does the devil get him? Because we allow the devil to get him. Think about what we watch. And our children, they're watching. Think about what we say. And our children, they're listening. Think about what we do. And our children, they're listening. But you don't have to feel down today, Mom. Listen to me. Today can be the day. I woke up this morning, and I said, God, look, I told God last night, I said, God, I'm going to wake up at 6 o'clock. I'm going to set the standard. I'm going to start praying. I woke up at 6, and I prayed. But, boy, that pillow felt so nice while I was praying. Amen. And on my way to church, Pastor, I was like, oh, Lord. You carried. I said, Lord, you carried a cross for me. The least that I can do is pick my head up off the pillow. Lord, you carried a cross for me. The least that I can do is get up out of my chair. When pastor says, stand up to your feet, 
Lord, you carried a cross for me. The least that I can do is lift my hands up and say thank you. Lord, you carried a cross for me. The least that I can do is hit my knees and say, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Every stripe, every time he was beaten, he kept walking. Every time he was cussed at, he kept walking. Every time they spit on him, he kept walking. Let me tell you something. When the Roman soldier said, don't you have 10,000 angels you could call down? Let me tell you, Jesus did have 10,000 angels that he could call down. But the devil knew that if he died on this cross, you wouldn't be able to forgive him. So he tempted him. Listen to me, there's going to be some temptations coming in your life. Just so your purpose ain't fulfilled. The devil's going to tempt you just so your purpose isn't fulfilled. He's going to tempt you with something that seems like it could help you. The Bible says that we will have to suffer. Suffer. Right? Suffer for the kingdom of God. But the suffering of this time upon earth is worth every minute of the reward of our salvation in heaven. <laughs> Brother Carl, the suffering of the devil spitting on me, the suffering of the devil beating me down, the suffering of the tears and the sweat and the blood that you pour out on this altar, it is all worth it. The day that you stand before God and you see his holy face, you see the four living creatures, the 24 elders, and they all cry holy. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Why am I so passionate about it? Because I know that I know that I know. I was in a moment of my life where PJ, I had no hope. PJ used to live beside me. He knows what I used to do, right? He knows Taya was married to me. She knows, right? But God, he said, I have a purpose for you. I'm here to tell you today, there's people sitting beside you that knows where you've been. They know what you've been through. Think about how it may bless someone beside you. If you say, you know what? I'm going to pick up this cross. I'm going to take this gospel. I'm going to hold it close to my heart. Because someone beside me, it may be your kid. It may be your friend. It may be a random stranger, but the person beside you needs to know that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And you took that step, that leap of faith, and you said, Jesus, I will be the one to set the standard and be the glory that reveals itself through you. The Bible says this. During a time, the Israelites couldn't see righteousness. You know why they couldn't see righteousness? Because they were living through the law. They, they were living through Levitical law after Jesus had already came and died. Jesus told all the people, he said, I've come so that the law may be fulfilled. The Israelites were still living through the law, some of them. Not Jesus' followers, but some of them still was. The Pharisees were still roaming the earth. 
Listen to me, church. It's time for us to get out of the legalistic ways of you're not doing this right, so you're not going to go into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says, Paul said this. He said that the Gentiles were able to succeed righteousness. Do you know why the Gentiles were able to succeed righteousness? Paul said because they had faith. They didn't live by their laws, but they had faith. They didn't live by the I'm just going to use this for an example because I love, Bruce said I always talk about pork chops. I love pork chops. They didn't live by the whole thing about don't eat pork. They lived by the whole thing of I had an addiction. I had a problem. Mary Magdalene, I had seven devils. The woman with the issue of blood, I had an issue, and I seen that man named Jesus, and I didn't think twice about it. I had faith, and I moved. When faith becomes an action, and you move to the altars, you will receive righteousness. That's how you succeed righteousness, not by your good. The Bible says that a good, the way, your good ways, that's not going to save you. Good ways and having a good heart and giving to the poor and all those things, they are great. But if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're just as lost uh, as the sinners uh, and the idolaters and the fornicators. Jesus, Jesus, he loves you. He's there for you. He wants you. Then God showed me a second part. And guys, we're almost done. How many is enjoying this? Ain't this? God gave this to me. and I don't believe in preaching a word unless I do it. Right? I, I never want to be one of those preachers that preach a word to the congregation and don't apply it to myself. I never want to be that person. Pastor, if I'm ever that person, I don't want to grab this microphone another day in my life. Because if I can't live the way and the word of God that I'm preaching, then I don't deserve to be up here. Preachers all over the nation, listen to me. It is time that we start living what we are preaching. You got to set the standard. You want your church to move? Uh, set the standard. You want your congregation to be filled? Set the standard. I hear the Holy Ghost saying today, I am ready, but it's time for you to set the standard. The second part of set the standard, right? Now we've set the standard for our house. Now we've set the standard for our kids. Check this out. When you become a follower of Jesus, it's said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is raising up a standard. I heard God tell me this. Son, set the standard for the devil. Oh, I don't know if you caught that. Set the standard for the enemy. Brother Pat, what do you mean? I was at the dumpster last night. <laughs> and I was thinking about the sticks that I used to tie my tomatoes up. I went to the dumpster and got some sticks. And I used one of Taya's old shoes, shoelaces she had to tie the tomatoes to the thing. And I was like, I'm going to go look and... I'm going to go out here, I'm going to take a walk to this dumpster and just make sure that it was okay to use these sticks. I went to the dumpster, and I looked, and I was, I was just wanting God to move today and just wanting God to have a word that helped people. 
I don't, I don't want to just come up here and preach and we leave the same way and not get anything. I said, God, please, Father, speak to me, God. God, I, I'm hurting, God. I, I don't, if, I, if you're not with me, God, I don't want to do it. And I would hate to text Pastor Cornelius and be like, Pastor, I can't preach. I can't do it today, right? Because I want to, but I, I don't want to go if God's not with me. People, you got to stop going places if God ain't with you. When you go to the restaurant, you make sure God's with you. When you go to the grocery store, you make sure God's with you. I was standing there and I said, God, please speak to me. And I looked across the projects. And I, I looked at our house and I got a little white cross that sits in my yard, Brother Noah. And I looked at the cross and I heard the Lord tell me this. He said, that is the standard for the devil. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the standard for Satan to intervene in your life is the cross. If he can't pass the cross, then he can't come into your life. Listen to me. What does that mean, Brother Pat? That means that if you take the blood off of the cross and you apply it to your life, you apply it to your family, you apply it to your household. You set in the standard. You say, devil, uh, you've already been defeated. Uh, the standard is the cross uh, and you can't cross the bloodline. You tired of the devil coming and beating your family down? Apply the blood. You tired of the devil coming and ruining your walk? Apply the blood. You're tired of the devil coming against your marriage? Look at the cross and grab it, friend. I want you to grab that cross and put it close to your heart and say, I'm setting the standard. Setting the standard. Devil, you can't cross this standard. When Jesus died upon the cross, he said three words. It is. It is. That let the devil know right there. All the tricks. All the attacks. Everything that you've tried to do has been finished. People, the standard has been set for Satan. Satan can't overcome the standard. The standard is open. The standard is available for you to grab a hold to. God has placed a tool, a, a way, an instrument in order for us to reach the kingdom of heaven. Listen to me. Before you use a drill, you got to grab it and squeeze the trigger. I'm here to tell somebody today, you've been living in sin. You've been living depressed. You've been living down. You can't seem to find happiness. But there is a place for you at this altar and the standard has been set and the standard is for you last thing real quick God how do we grab a hold to this standard you can play softly for me sister Kathy God how do we grab a hold to this standard and I believe we have it Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 can you find that for me real quick Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, sitting upon 
the mountain, knowing that it ain't long. It wasn't long from that moment that he would be betrayed. It wasn't long from that moment that he would have to suffer the most gruesome thing for us. He looked upon his disciples. He said, listen. I know I may not be here with you forever on this earth. But there's another coming. And he shall do greater things. He'll be that intercessor. He'll be that mediator. The people that experience Holy Spirit today and received him, listen to me, your life will never be the same. Do you know why your life will never be the same? Because when all hope is lost, you know the comforter. When you feel uncomfortable, you know the comforter. When it's time to step out of your comfort zone, you know the comforter. He said, come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Real quick, that's come. What did I say the second part was? Come and go. Say that with me. Come and how do we go? Matthew chapter 28. If you can get that for me real quick. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. This is what we call the Great Commission, right? This is when the disciples was commissioned. That when Jesus, he had resurrected and rose from the grave, and they have come unto him. Jesus was telling them this. Listen to me. I'm going to the place that my Father has prepared for you, okay? The Holy Spirit will be with you. Listen to me. You're going to have family members that isn't saved. You're going to have people in your life that isn't saved. Friend, you may not even be saved yourself, but you have been commissioned by the God Almighty to do this thing. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, what does that say right there? Say this with me on the count of three. Read that last part at all. One, two, three. All. All power. The power of death has been given unto Jesus. The power of life has been given unto Jesus. The power of healing has been given unto Jesus. The power of putting marriages back together has been given unto Jesus. I've seen marriages formed back together in this church since I've been here. Do you know why? Because they put Jesus in the marriage. All power has been given unto me. Next, next verse. What's that first word? What's that first word? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In this bar right here. Guys, when I feel like he's not with me, Guys, every time before I preach, I get, I get nervous and I get scared because I want people to be saved. <laughs> I don't want to be just another preacher preaching. 
I just want to be a vessel. I just want to see people saved from hell. That's it. I don't care about my name and lights. I don't care about the fame. I don't care about the glory. All I care about is you and your children walking into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because I was headed to hell and Jesus saved me and you deserve it too. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Even when the world ends, Jesus will be with you. I was praying before service upstairs. And I said, Lord, please be with me. In the same dove that was flapping around this service earlier. It's like I felt him just come and land on my shoulder. And he said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Stand with me on your feet today. Friend, this word today was not to condemn you. This word today was not to push you. This word today was to let you know your whole life can change forever. Friend, you don't have to live in sin another second. You don't have to live in bondage another second. Do you want to feel Jesus be with you always? Come to the cross today. Your Isaacs, something you may love very truly, very dearly. Abraham, God told Abraham, lay your Isaac down. Lay Isaac down. Lay Isaac down. Abraham, that was his son. Abraham's own son. And he took him to the altar. Laid him down, Pastor. What does the Bible say happened after Isaac was laid upon the altar? It says that a ram, a ram came out of the, the thicket, not before Isaac was laid on the altar. A ram came out of the thicket when Isaac was laid upon the altar. Listen to me. Your life is not going to change until you lay your heart upon the altar. You are looking at an impossible situation. You are looking at no way out. You are looking at no way to get out of your situation. Listen to me, friend. You got an Isaac that may be very dearly to you, but you got to do what God is telling you to do. When you want your rescue to come, it's not going to come in the midst of saying, Lord, I don't know. I may want to do it. I may not. The ram is going to come out of the thicket when you come down to the altar and you lay it here. Oh. Have you been battling pornography? Have you been battling lust? Have you been battling anger? 
Have you been battling pride? Have you been battling selfishness? Have you been battling nicotine? Whatever addiction, alcohol, whatever it may be, and it's keeping you from walking in the fullness of God? That is your Isaac today. And friend, it's time to lay down. God told me this. He said, during this day, I will fill the altars all across the land. And there I will do the work. Friend, it don't take me laying hands upon you for God to move on your life. God told me that he will be at these altars. And I believe today that Jesus Christ is right here. The Holy Spirit is right here with us walking amongst these altars. And all you got to do is submit to him.